Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we want to thank all our listeners for all the support so far and hope the podcast has been really helpful to you on your DM journey. Uh, remember to rate us as it really helps us with exposure and getting the word out there. And check out our link tree at linktr.ee slash dmsdiscuss. We just launched a little Discord community and a TikTok at dmsdiscuss. Uh, so you can follow for more DM D&D content, tips, and tricks. Uh, enjoy the episode and may all your roles be 20s. Welcome, 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 welcome to DMs Discuss. I'm Mike. I'm Chris. And I'm Scott. Welcome to DMs Discuss, where this week DMs will be discussing music in TTRPGs with a special guest, Ryan. Uh, Yeah, so today we have Ryan Munns of Eyes on the Moon Studios. Uh, I actually met Ryan through TikTok. Uh, Ryan's a DM and composer, and we we're kind of chatting. I really, I really enjoyed Ryan's content. Um, he does kind of DM tips, DM content, um, as well as original tabletop D and D character inspired music. So I thought it was really interesting. Uh, some of his posts include titles like Eldritch Horror Tunes, Shifter Tunes, and uh, my favorite, Underdark Disco Dance Party. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, and he's also doing commissions for those who kind of want to bring their characters and campaigns through life uh, through the use of music. So I uh, just want to welcome you on, Ryan. Thanks for thanks for joining us today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Believe me. Yeah. So like, like I said, I really enjoyed what you were doing. Uh, I really like the whole uplifting and the, the DM tips and the DM notion because that's kind of our angle as well. Trying yeah, to help sure. DMs and uh, help them get into it, and run better campaigns. But I also thought the whole the, the music angle is really unique. And I just wanted to hear a bit more of like how you got started kind of marrying music and D&D. Like what that what's that journey been like? How'd you get started with D&D? Yeah, uh, well, I've been into music far longer than I've been into D&D uh, before I was even an hour old, before I was even washed off yet. When my grandfather put a guitar pick in my hand. So it's been like with <laughs> me ever since. So you, yeah, so you've been doing music a long time. What, so what's your? Let's start there, I guess. Uh, what's your journey with like music been like? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, from there, it's it's just been constant. I I take in the world more auditory, more musically than I do with words, and I'm always listening to music. I'm always thinking about music. I I breathe it really. And when I was 19, I was going to go to school to be a lawyer, and I was. I wouldn't call them panic attacks, but I just, I was up late at night and I couldn't sleep and I just was feeling trapped and it felt like I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do. And I went to my parents. And I said, listen, I, I know that I'm on track to be a lawyer, but I just, I really want to try this music thing. I want to give it a shot. And if I don't succeed, then whatever, I can always go get another job somewhere. And they thankfully, you know, both really understood and they supported me and I just, you know, started going for it. And it's been what I'm 31 now. So it's been, what's that 12 years. And it's only now that things are really starting to take off. But, you know, through those 12 years, you just, you, you got to keep at it. And I hit the ground and I failed a lot and I had some cool successes, but bringing it into D and D is one of the things that lines up more with what I do naturally, because I've always been an instrumental music composer kind of guy even when i was writing rock and metal tracks they were always instrumental so i always compose to a theme or to an idea or to a concept and when 
I realized that I've just been composing for the majority of my career and I switched over and decided to do that full time instead of trying to play live, things really started to pick up and change. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's awesome, man. So um, did you start DMing and then figure that you could add atmosphere to your games and bring more of yourself into your games through the music and then you started composing for it? Or were you like composing things for D&D and then decided to get into D&D? Well, I got into D&D when I was about eight or nine. I went to a game store that was having open tables for people to come play at and I sat down as a player and my experience was not great. The DM at the time was just not very accommodating and was very impatient with mm. the newer players at the table. And I knew nothing. And this was three, not even 3.5. It was three. So, <laughs> you know, fairly complicated, fairly yeah. crunchy, especially if you have no idea what you're doing. So I didn't have fun and I was really discouraged. And the guy that ran the store, super kind gentleman named Mr. Rocco, and he called me over because my mom was talking to, like some of the other moms that were there. And he calls me over and he's like, hey, I saw you were maybe looking a little frustrated. Are you okay? How are you feeling? And I told him, honestly, like, this wasn't fun for me. Like, I didn't enjoy it. And he goes, okay, well, maybe come back and we'll, you know, we'll try again. So a couple weeks go by and I go out and I try it again. And again, just not super great. And the guy pulls me over and he goes, listen, I, I know that there are a lot of different people that play D&D a lot of different ways. And you could even run D&D if you wanted to. And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, you could be the one that sits in that guy's chair and you make all the rules and you tell everyone what the world is like and you get to kind of guide their experience in that way. Because that guy clearly doesn't like he's not playing the way that you enjoy and that's whatever. But like, you don't have to play like him. And like that was a light bulb in my head. Mm -hmm. I was like, hell yeah, you know, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, you know, I, I went home started doing chores and shit, you know, bought, I'm sorry, can I curse? Yeah, of course. You yeah, can. you're good. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I should have asked that earlier. So I'll start that over. Give me one second. <laughs> yeah, no no, you're good. We're just, we're keeping all this in if you want. <laughs> <laughs> so you started doing chores. Yep. Started doing chores. Uh, went back a couple weeks later, you know, bought as many of the books as I could. And then from there, I just started DMing and started really honing that skill set. And I would say that I was, really serious about my DMing starting in 2006 and I've done that ever since and in the beginning it was really tough to add music because I would have to get my CD player and either burn a mix that I was going to use oh. that night or like run over to it and hit stop or hit repeat and it just wasn't easy but as soon as I was able to connect like my mp3 player or my laptop and just put those through speakers everything got a lot easier yeah, I mean, I, I can imagine that. Like, now you got me thinking about even further back, like in the original D&D, &D, like where they had just on tape decks, like, eight all right, hold on. Yeah, just yeah. like, hold on. I got to fast forward to the battle track. It might have been vinyl. You know what I mean? That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I mean, uh, so how long would you say you've been DMing for? Since 2006. So that's uh, 17 years now. Jesus. Yeah, it's quite a bit. How many? so like, old. How many campaigns have you kind of been a been a part of or run? A bunch. I mean, some are longer than others, but my um my campaigns. If I feel like the ending is coming up and we're at only level ten or twelve, then that's it. You know, if that's where the story naturally yeah. stops, I'm not going to try to artificially drag it out. 
I, w- I would easily say to answer the question over over 30 or 40 by this point. Wow, that's quite a bit. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah, that is impressive. I know for myself, like I've only run a few and then some one shots here and there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, 30, 40 sounds like uh, quite some adventures. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, they weren't always with the same group. And sometimes we would start a campaign and the players would come to me and they'd be like, we're kind of not feeling it. Or I would start it and be like, this isn't what I'm about. And they stop. But, you know, you learn that as you go. Yeah, for sure. And then trying to schedule, you know, a group of five or six adults because things can break down over time. Yeah, and sometimes you run just a really quick adventure that's supposed to last for four weeks and it lasts for like six months. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. and those are the best, you know, when you like when you find a story and you love it and everyone's like, can we just not stop playing this? Yeah, I think Mike's campaign, Mike's campaign for me, at least, has been that where there have been some logical conclusions, but then it's like, hey, do you guys want to like continue and go into another arc? So we we started Curse of Strahd, which eventually became uh, what were those places called? Dread, Dread domains. domains. Yeah. So it started Curse of Str- Yeah, it started Curse of Strahd. Then there was this cataclysmic event sort of deal that like collapsed all the Dread domains onto us, and then there was all these different kind of arcs from that. Uh, and now we're kind of running some of the Call of the Nether Deep Critical Role stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's been kind of one of those campaigns, like you said, where it's it does come to this sort of end, but then everyone's like, "Yeah, let's let's keep going." So Mike kind of you know pivots, and we start to <laughs> to work into something else. So yeah, it's sweet. Yeah, yeah, it's been like fun it. to write stuff for Alexandria. Sure, yeah, always fun yeah. playing in new worlds. Oh yeah. Um. So I'm I'm actually really curious. So I've watched a bunch of the stuff that you put together and. I was wondering how you actually incorporate that music into your games. So like, do you usually have like atmospheric music going at different times that you make more intense? Do you have like things that only play during battle scenes? Like how do you usually incorporate the music into your game? So I think something that some people believe, which I'm flattered by, but is not the case. Some people seem to think that I write every single song in my campaigns and I don't, that would be, gargantuan be bonkers, yeah. and i and i'd never and i'd never be finished Are you, you know telling I mean? me you're not some kind of modern day D beethoven <laughs> oh you know what i mean with the amount of stuff i've been writing lately we're getting there but i for my own sanity i only have very important places or very important moments that i write my own music for and because i play online it's incredibly easy for me to throw it into my program I use Foundry right now. So mm-hmm. Foundry has a built-in music player. I just upload the file, set it to where it's going to be volume-wise, and then when those moments show up, I just hit play, and it's going. You know what I mean? Cool. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I, I personally haven't used a ton of music in my campaigns. Um, I want to experiment with it a little more. I know that Chris has. Like, I know there's been some fights where uh, where we've had some boss fights, and even when we were playing online on Roll20, like Chris would cue something up. Um, and I think it definitely adds to the atmosphere. It definitely adds to this sense of, um, I think music has this way of just making people feel either that urgency or that sense of action or that sense of calm. Yeah. I think that's, that that's really comes down to it. Like for me, when I use like music in D and D, it comes down to three different ways I use it is there's mm-hmm. inspiration where I kind of just listen to thematic pieces as i'm writing content to kind of like spark ideas and i've had like entire boss fights based off of like a single song or something (laughs) like that 
And then I have like, you know, kind of general background, more ambient tone setting music. And then sometimes there's, I have specific set piece music where like a certain scene or a boss fight or a monologue will have like a very specific song that I want to kind of like use to kind of like, you know, score that. Absolutely. Yeah. So when it comes to, I know Ryan, like, so we talked about you using music for your campaigns and um, kind of writing particular pieces for like special moments in your campaign. Uh, but I also know that like from talking to you that you're taking commissions for um, for people's kind of character music or character inspired music. I'm, I'm really curious to to hear about like that process. What what's that been like and how do you go from somebody saying, hey, I really like love my character. And um, you know, I think a lot of people in the community commission art for their characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm really curious about the notion of people commissioning music for their characters and what that process looks like. Yeah. So when I actually first started out writing my own songs that were, com- you know, composed, they were originally character themes. I was playing in a campaign with my friends and I just started writing stuff that to me sounded like their characters and it was various genres and various different stuff. And I listen back to some of that now and I have a really soft spot in my heart for it because like, I didn't know any of the rules. I just was writing (laughs) what was cool to me and it came out and there was a bunch of stuff that I'm proud of. Some of it I listened back to and I kind of cringe a bit, not because it's bad, but just because I know now what I was trying to do and I couldn't do it yet because I didn't have the skills, but how that has helped me now is I have a skill set that has built up over a long period of time where if someone gives me concepts about characters, I don't think of it in terms of narrative. I think of it in terms of what would this sound like? What instruments would I use to bring this out? What kind of stuff would I do to tell this story in two to three minutes? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's really cool, man. And do you use, like, do you have character music for uh the players in your current campaign like that some of them is, yeah. yeah that's really cool that you use like in certain moments when their characters have um like kind of highlight moments or spotlight moments things like that so if you think about what a character theme like really is it is a musical piece that is meant to stand for something and if i was scoring to film or to picture we would call that a either a motif or a lay motif which is the idea of anytime you hear this it stands for something else and that could be more than just a character it can be a place it could be an emotion it could be a memory like all these things can be represented through music and when clients come to me one of the first things that i ask them is like what is this song doing for you why are you trying to get this song do you want it to be a theme or do you want it to maybe be background music for a place Uh, for example one of the first people that I wrote music for here on TikTok was the the channel is called the Dragon Leaf Tea House, and they have this area in their live play called the Deep Ethereal, which is a sort of in between plane that is not really anywhere but itself. And they go there, and they sometimes level up there, and they have conversations with this deity there. And they described it to me as a relaxing place, but also things can get kind of silly, or they can get really serious. And they wanted a piece of music that could encapsulate all those things. Right. So when I'm thinking of that 
and they say they want a background, that means it can't be too loud. It can't be anything that's going to distract people from listening to what's going on during the live play. But it also needs to carry certain emotional and, in this instance, contextual instrument choices. So when I think right. whimsical, I think what are called pizzicato strings, which are strings that you don't play with the bow. You play with your fingers and they're muted and it's really short and plucky. But then when they say they want this grand sort of deep emotional feeling, all you have to do is take those strings and then just start playing them really softly with the bow closer to what's called the bridge, which is where the string meets the actual instrument. And it thins out the sound, but you still get the sound of a string quartet. You know what I mean? Yeah. And those things are all, those things are all just stuff you learn over however long you practice music or you practice composing. And when you learn these things and these tools, the sounds that they make start becoming almost like colors on a, on, you know, a paintbrush. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. I mean, like, yeah, like I, I, I have an acoustic guitar. I've been playing for a while as sort of just a hobby. It's something I used to, to kill time and, um, you know, it's something that I, I really enjoy. I really enjoy kind of sitting and drowning stuff out and, you know, just playing around with it. Not any good, but, you know, I enjoy it. So one thing I'm curious about, too, is like I know how much effort goes into to trying to learn a single instrument and trying to trying to work on your skills with a single instrument. But I, I, I've i seen guitars in some of your TikToks. I've yep. seen a keyboard. I'm just curious, like. What are some of the other instruments that you've incorporated into um, into your commissions and into your music? Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, first off, you're not killing time; you're decorating time. You know what I mean? <laughs> eh, I like that. Yeah, I do killing, like that. Killing time would be to waste it, but you're not. You're making music, so you're you are doing something you enjoy, and if that brings you joy, then you win. You know, you got it. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, I like that. As far so, as um, as far as the instruments goes, guitar, bass, piano, drums. Um, I used to play drums a lot more, but I got into a really bad car accident in 2014. And my left knee has 26 screws in it now, and it doesn't really Ooh. move the same. Jeez. So no no double bass coming from, coming right. from Ryan. I could do it in short bursts, but I noticed <laughs> that my my control with my left knee is not what it used to be. And rather than like sit there and try to force it to do something that might end up hurting me in the long run. I've reached out and I now have a guy, his name is Giovanni Mauchieri. He's fantastic. And when I know I have a drum track that I want a human drummer for, I send it out to him. Nice. He's out in Italy, so he's fantastic. Yeah. So, so keyboard, you said, yeah, guitar, bass, drums, keyboard, uh, mandolin, banjo, Little accordion. I'm not as proficient, but I can play Ooh, it a little bit. Little accordion. I, I got excited <laughs> uh, there. Button or keyboard? Button. Nice. Well, I'm sorry. Button on one side, keyboard on the other. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. And then um, I can also play. It's an Irish drum called the Badrin. You play it with, it's called a tipper. It's a stick you hold between your thumb and your pinky, almost if you're doing like the the hang on, like surf. Yeah, it's a really thing. thin drum with a cross across the back, right? It can be thin. It can be deeper if you want it to be lower in pitch, but it doesn't have to be. Mm. But it's good that you know what that is. And that's played with that with the hand. Yeah, you play because you put your hand in the one side, and you can mm. use your hand to deaden the top of the drum so it makes a more 
like tight sound or you can bring it around to where it's a bit looser stuff like that i also i don't really count it because it's a it's a type of drum but it's called the cajon it's a box that you sit on and it's yeah got yeah snares on the inside yeah i've seen those those are really cool <laughs> yeah I'm, my family's all from the east coast so like i grew up around like irish and celtic music so there you go um like yeah the bodron and uh accordion and stuff like that are the things that i listened to a lot in my childhood yeah i am i'm an irish boy as well i'm celtic <laughs> on my dad's side and filipino and spanish on my mom's side so irish music stirs something like very deep and primal in me it makes me so happy yeah for sure that's why i love using like celtic music as like background uh oh, yeah. like basically at all times absolutely yeah when i when i think of it i just think of very like upbeat happy just yeah i just i i enjoy it <laughs> it can for be sure. but there's also celtic music that is older and is based more on um, tradition and even it merges in some places with slavic music and that kind of stuff because it's so old they didn't have music to write down to teach it so those songs were taught like orally au you know oral you have to listen to it to learn yeah. how to play it and it's that kind of stuff that when you hear it there is power in that music when you hear like a thing a whole troop of bagpipers just tuning up and they start to do that drone that low just <laughs> humming note that doesn't change and everything else plays on top of that it stirs your blood not just because it's a very loud instrument that you can hear over a very long distance but because that that tradition of using that instrument for that purpose is baked into a lot of our subconscious because that's our family on our family on our family, you know? Yeah. I, I think it's, I think when it comes to just, I, I know you talked about those, those songs being taught kind of orally and, and essentially people learning them by ear. And I have a lot of respect for that. Like as somebody who kind of dabbles with the guitar, as I said, a lot of my learning has been mostly tablature and, and kind of reading music. Uh, mm -hmm. But one thing I noticed, too, is like I ha I've, I've found so much respect for people who can listen to something and replicate it because um, I, I think it's a very hard skill. I think the notion of playing by ear or, or having that ear for music um, is, is a very difficult skill or maybe it's not difficult, but it definitely is a skill that needs to be developed. Uh, I'm just kind of curious what your journey kind of developing that ear for music and what what that's been like. Sure. Well, most of it has been by ear from the beginning because I I didn't know people wrote the stuff down. You know, as a child, my parents would be playing music. My grandpa would play music, all different types and different genres, and I would just hear it. So the first time that I saw sheet music, I was seven, eight, and I didn't understand what it was for. My grandpa was like, oh, well, it's so you can see exactly how the song is played and you can see all the dynamics and the measures and the notes. And I thought, well, that's cool, but I I listened to it. So why would I need this if I can <laughs> listen to it? And over time, I understand the purpose and there is a purpose for it. You know, you want to have something that's going to make sure everyone's doing the same thing. And it's a way to translate a thought into a very practical application. However, all musicians are constantly training their ears because you walk around every day listening to stuff, you know? The trick of it is to learn 
and I, I made a video about this, how to learn to listen actively, take in music and think about what's happening as you're listening to it. Like, what are the chords doing? What are the notes doing? What are the melodies doing? How loud is it? How soft is it? What are these instruments doing against each other and playing off of each other? And when you can listen actively, then anytime you are driving somewhere or listening to music in a mall or in a store or whatever, you can be, you know, increasing that skill. And it's not something that has to be a big part of your day. It could just be whenever something comes on, you can just take a second and turn that active part of your brain on, take something from the song, turn it off, and then just go back to what you were doing. So out of curiosity, when you're making like, you know, your music today, like, do you write any of that down? Because, you know, I noticed you use like, you know, a lot of digital kind of add-ons to it. And, you know, it's a different style being able to kind of, you know, go back and just, you know, fiddle with part of a track. But do you ever write anything to sheet music or is it just, you know, you just kind of re-listen and replay it? So because of the nature of what I do, I don't ever, or at least for the moment, I don't have a need of live musicians to play my stuff. If I can't play it, I either find a sample and learn how to program it, or I try and find someone that is creative enough that they could make something on their own and then we collaborate. So a good thing for me, thankfully, is because nowadays we use what's called MIDI, which is a electronic sort of note that is mapped to a value that I can then attach to my piano. So if I play a C note, on my piano there is a midi note equivalent that will go into the computer register and then as my music program goes over that note in that track it knows to play a c note on the piano or whatever instrument i you know program it to and because i have those midi notes i then have a separate program that takes all of that and if i want to i can burn it down into sheet music that it writes and programs and you know assigns for me if I wanted to write it down by hand, I could. It would take a a good <laughs> chunk of time because when you write for each individual instrument, each one of those sometimes has to have its own sheet music. But right. it is something I could do. I just haven't done it in a long time. That's really cool. And having it digitally record that way lets you, like if you wanted to take themes and things like that and change the tone or change uh, anything like that, you can like transpose them. You can do a lot of different stuff when you have it kind of mm -hmm. digitally recorded like that, right? Yep, exactly. And it's actually been something that I use a lot when I'm working with clients that want me to work on like film or stuff like that because when the film is going on and they want that same song that you played in the beginning but now they want it sad, I can just go back and take a bunch of the stuff that I already used and yeah. change it so that just it drop is now a bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I find this is actually, it's kind of funny because it almost it almost echoes like the evolution of D and D where, you know, back in the day, everyone had to write everything down by hand and, you know, people would prepare stuff ahead of time. But now, you know, with the advent of, of digital stuff, it's so easy to change a character sheet or swap a map out and, you know, change the tone of these stories. And you can just, instead of planning everything, kind of, you know, wing it more, look stuff up on the fly. Yeah. I think, sure. I think that's, yeah, for sure. I think it's an awesome point to make too, because really at the end of it, I do not separate D&D &D from art. I think D&D &D can be art, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there's a lot of merit in, in that. I think D&D uh, &D as a kind of creative outlet for some is 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 an art form. I think 
running a campaign and kind of weaving those stories and just a collaborative storytelling aspect. I mean, I do see that as an art too. And when you watch stuff on, on Twitch, like critical role and stuff like that, like I, I feel there is an artistry involved in that. But one thing that's interesting, I mean, we talked about kind of writing things down and that more manual process. And now with kind of technological advancement and these things being so accessible, like D and D beyond and swapping out character sheets. And um, I, I think it's led to this really interesting space. And I, I want to hear a bit, how you feel about it as somebody who creates content um, where AI is becoming more and more advanced. And I know Chris has already used something like mid journey to generate character portraits or tokens for their game. Um, And I'm curious whether you've had any experience with that on the music side of things, whether there's any sort of um, any sort of, AI that's been talked about in terms of music and 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 whether that's been used in your work at all or if you're very much a a purist. So I have a lot of feelings about a lot of that. I don't want to disparage anybody from using AI because at the end of the day AI is a tool just like any other tool. I think the problem that occurs with AI is people will take the AI and let it do things for them and then not improve their skill set or not improve on the things that they are turning to the AI to do for them. And when you really break it down, all AI is doing is learning from examples of others and then replicating as best it can. And we've already seen examples of AI art that is not quite there or AI text that is very like close but it's sterile and it lacks that human feeling and AI and music has actually existed for a good long while. There are procedural chord generators. There are programs that will spit out verses and choruses. Like these things are not new to us. And the fear that some musicians have is, Oh great. We're going to get replaced by AI musicians or AI writers. And in some instances, unfortunately that is going to happen. But what you're going to see over time, I genuinely believe this, people are going to miss the human element that AI can't replicate. And they will learn how to you know, differentiate between an actual human product and one that was made from AI. And the real question that I think we have to ask when we think about AI, what is our intention for turning to this program? Is it to ease my prep for the week as a dungeon master? Like, am I just not able to sit down and write an encounter? So I'm going to turn to my AI program and have it do it for me. Or is it to cover up shortcomings that you don't want to work on? And I personally don't touch AI, mostly just because I find a lot of joy in the struggle of trying to figure out a song or trying to figure out an encounter And I wouldn't want to deprive myself of that. But I am not going to sit here and say that anyone that turns to AI is like a hack or a faker or anything like that because it's a tool. For sure. I think I will echo that in that I think I definitely do miss like the the human element in things. And obviously like mid journey is fantastic in what it does, but it can only do what it's been trained to do. And also like it will never make hands properly or uh, or teeth. (laughs) 
but like for me the entirety of like ai being used in these ways is just like it kills me a little bit just because for me automation and ai and things like that are supposed to be the things that take over doing the work that we don't want to do like to give us more time to invest in learning things and like working on art and going through these experiences and what we're using it for instead is to automate the the making of the art so we can spend more time doing our actual jobs which you know yeah the opposite of what i wanted to do yeah it's right. more so just i was i was kind of curious about that notion of ai and music because i know ai with like chat gpt and like mid journey for art has been big and i was like really just curious uh you know on the music side whether things were heading that direction as well there are programs that you can look up right now that will spit out a song for you it'll program a song it'll program instruments and that's fine what none of it has is the little inconsistencies that i think make yeah an artist who they are or the little like tweaks of where they break the rules quote unquote of music that really gives someone their style and their sound and their voice y- you can tell me all day long that ai is writing a song for you and that's great but ai will never be able to give all the experience and world um, worldview that a singer puts into their song when they sing it. It can't do that. And the biggest example that I really have is something that we've seen already in the music world. There are so many companies right now that are mass producing guitars that use CNC machines to cut the guitar bodies. And I'm sure you know what a CNC machine is. Yeah. So you program the machine, it cuts out the body of the instrument, and it's perfect every single time. You know, you know, barring human error or mechanical error, it is exactly the same every time. And that's fine, because sometimes that's what you want. If you have a mass-produced product that you need to get on shelves for consumers, that's going to be the most cost-effective way to do that. Those guitars can run anywhere from $500 to $1,000. And I have some that were made that way. And they're fantastic. They do the job exactly how you want it to do with minimal deviation between models. If I went to the store and I picked up one off the wall, that's the same model that I have here, and I know it was made on a CNC machine, I can expect a certain amount of quality. That's just how it is. However, there are guitar companies that are more expensive, but they make everything by hand and they sand it by hand and everything is done to you know the umph degree by hand by humans without you know relying on too much technology and when you pick up one of those instruments the difference cannot be felt i mean it cannot be ignored you feel it when you play that instrument and there's a reason that people pay more for those because those things can't be replicated so when we think about AI in music or tools or technology taking over human projects and things that we need to do. We've seen it happen again, again, in the different fields and different professions. Eventually the novelty of the new technology wears off and people will begin to yearn for that human touch, the human feel, the human experience. It is a cycle that we've seen repeat and it will continue to repeat because you can't replace it. If I sat down right now, and I had an AI program write up my D&D campaign. And then I had an AI program that was based off of Matt Mercer that sat down and did a text game with all of his stylings, with all of his little quirks and all that programmed into it. That's fantastic. And it would do probably 80, 82% of what you want 
out of that experience. But if I grabbed four people that played D&D and I said to them, hey, you can either play for a week with this perfect AI Matt Mercer replica or you can play a one shot with Matt Mercer. People are going to pick Matt Mercer every day. Oh, ab- yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I'm I, actually I, I more totally of a Brennan Lee Mulligan fan. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I love, I love anybody that is willing to sit down and run a D and D session. They're all fantastic. I say Matt Mercer because as soon as I say that, you're gonna have a bunch of heads that turn in one way because they love Matt Mercer, and a bunch that turn in the different way because they love to hate on Matt Mercer. And it's just a numbers game at that point. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I hate on him. I think he's great. <laughs> That's fair. I was gonna say when you said if you could take like. AI to write a campaign and emulate Matt Mercer. I assumed you were gunning for a position on the Wizards exec board. Oh, <laughs> Don't even get Ouch. me started. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, we, we recorded an OGL episode that was a little spicy. <laughs> All but, they uh... had to do, okay? All they had to do was just shut the fuck up and not do anything, and they would have made so much goddamn money. <laughs> yup. Oh, oh, boy. Uh, I only had one more question. Scott, did you have anything else? Uh, no, Chris, do you, do you have anything? The last one I had was the one about the instruments, but you stole that one from me, so. <laughs> oh, I, did you list it somewhere, or no? No. Oh, okay, then I don't feel as bad. It's a fair no. cop, governor. <laughs> uh, my only question, really, then, is do you write, like, in-depth themes for all your BBEGs? Like, do, do all your BBEGs have, um, like, a tone that comes up throughout your campaigns that, like, teases that they're in the area, things like that? In this campaign, no. Because in this campaign, I purposefully did not set up a BBEG because I wanted my players to kind of explore the world and then they would tell me which one was going to be the most important to them. And I don't normally write like that, but it just kind of ended up being that way for this campaign. In my next campaign, I am definitely going to be a bit more hands-on about that, not just because it'll be fun but because I can use it as a way to build up a portfolio a bit more and to show off to other clients and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. That was like one of my fun things about having the Strahd campaign was that was the one campaign I've actually used like music in fairly consistently, yeah. like, at least through the Strahd portion and the Domains of Dread portion. I didn't really do it, but having like just music playing whenever Strahd showed up was really fun because the players knew shit was about to go down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's really funny because I actually usually end up coming up with like encounters or enemies while i'm just writing for other stuff is you know i'll just you know search you know playlist and then whatever location or style i'm trying to write for and sometimes i'll find like that one song where i'm like oh like this this is a this is a person and like i might not even need them but i'm like okay this is going to my little book i have a playlist <laughs> of just like boss songs and then I just make a little note, in a, like a notebook of just like, okay, like this is a really cool boss fight. They're going to be like this character and they do these attacks because like they fit the song and just wait until I can use like my own little portfolio of enemies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then the one time you actually turned an organ into the enemy. An organ into the enemy. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was fun. It was an organ golem. Like the, the organ just animated and. Yeah, it was an interesting fight. <laughs> yeah, we walked yeah, that... in the room. There's like a ghoul playing the organ, and the organ stood up, ate the ghoul, and then attacked us. It was fantastic. That's rad. Yeah, that one came from like a single song that was just like this incredibly like 
gothic choir with like the soaring organ theme and like cult chanting i just had mm-hmm. the idea of like you know this bard who used a church organ to like ensorcel an entire church and then like once attacked he would like stand up and essentially like mech suit pilot the entire organ oh, as right. this like epic boss fight <laughs> i love that cool. i'm gonna go full edgelord here but you're, you're talking my language when you're talking about like gothic choir chanting like i'm a really big ghost <laughs> fan I just really like the atmosphere and the the just how haunting some of those sounds can be. I, I just love stuff like that. Yeah, I went very gothic in my last campaign, so I'm excited to play. Like my next one's going to be very Spelljammer setting, and I'm going to get to move to like you know a bit more futuristic alternate sounds that you know I can switch up the fantasy. I know I have one plan that I'm so excited for. We're just using some techno remixes of songs. <laughs> <laughs> So Ryan, I'm I'm curious because I think this is something that we ask. Like, I think when we talk about monsters, like some of us have talked about the notion of having monsters inspire one shots, or the other way around, where like you have a one shot, then you need to kind of find a monster to fit it, or you have a monster and you write a one shot around that monster. Um, and I'm just curious, like when you approach music, I, I'm sure it's a bit of both, but uh, do you find yourself? Does your music kind of inspire your campaign or do you find your campaign inspiring your music more or just kind of curious about that? So I'll say this. My music, when I write, is typically kind of like I said earlier, based around some sort of concept. I am not a person that sits down and just writes a chord progression because I think it sounds pretty. I'm always thinking of how I can use the music to tell some sort of narrative. And in that way, it ends up being that a lot of my music comes after the narrative idea. But because of how I take in the world and interpret my senses, it can in some ways be thought of as I have the idea for the music first, but I can't really apply it until I'm down at my piano or at a guitar. So really, it's just a an idea that kind of swirls in my head until I can start applying it to things. And oddly enough, tonight, after I get done with this, at some point, probably around like eight o'clock, I'll be doing a live on TikTok. And what I've been doing lately is I'll sit in the live and I'll start with a blank template and I'll just have my, you know, people that come and hang out start describing a place to me or a person or a character. And I just start writing a song for them in the live. And that does two things. One, it involves them in the process. And two, it challenges me. Cause I have to come up with that stuff on the spot and I've got to make it a, you know, a track that could work and function and be turned into something else. And that's been a really cool, healthy challenge for me. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. I've, I've seen you kind of on live a little bit and just kind of watch you play here and there and stuff like that. And I think it's a really cool concept. It's essentially just improvisation and, um, you know, taking those ideas and try to incorporate that. Like that, that seems challenging. It seems I know even when DMing, like some of our stuff is written down, we have notes, but there's a lot of improvisation there. So uh, I, I think it's really cool to, to challenge yourself in that way and sit in live and kind of have that feedback. Just, you know, I'm going to try and do X, Y, Z because this person requested it. So how the hell do I do that? Yeah, I like it because there's no safety net. You know, I I thrive in positions where I know that it's either pass or fail. Because if I feel like I've got a comfortable place that I can just rest at, then I'm not going to apply myself. So sometimes 
and I'm, I'm not big on numbers. Like I don't care particularly how many views I get on TikTok. I don't particularly care how many people show up in the lives. But if I know that there are people there and they're spending time hanging out, you, they're not going to get that time back. So I have to make it worth it for them. You know, I have to give them an enjoyable experience. And if that means that I need to make really good music, then I have no choice. It's either that or I fail. And I'm not a person that's okay with sitting in front of a bunch of people wasting their time. So do you have any tips on like for people, like how they can incorporate music into their D&D games if you know they want to start using it? My first tip to anybody, if they're not going to write their own, which I don't recommend unless you know you have a lot of free time and you're okay with sitting down and really working at it, <laughs> find the soundtracks that have meant the most to you that have really brought out inspiration or have really just kind of opened up parts of you that like you feel really strongly about and then make a list and take those songs and apply them to specific things, to characters, to places, to moments, and then take those things and you have to make sure that you're consistent with it. Otherwise it's not going to work, but you always have them going when those things happen or occur. For example, in my current D&D campaign, one of my players is playing a Yonti bard, and the dichotomy there is the bard makes people feel and gives them the happy feelings. The Yonti cannot feel. They don't have those emotions. They cannot experience the world in the same way. So his struggle is always trying to find a way to pretend and relate, quote unquote, to others when he cannot do it himself. So he has a song that he sent me privately from a band called Hammock. And the song, I believe, is called Afraid to Go Home. And it's just this really pretty ambient song that is just really, really melancholy. It's gorgeous, but it's so sad. And anytime his character is having a really deep emotional moment and they're talking and that's happening, I put that song on. I don't say that I'm doing it. I just do it. And when it happens, it immediately is going to pull characters back to every other time that song's been on and it's going to trigger something in their brains and they're going to be a met like emotionally brought back into that space so that's one way that it can happen but because of that this is something i do all the time and you can do it too if you have songs that are set aside for individuals or characters or places or what have you i had my characters they were sitting in a tavern and they were just hanging out talking planning what they were going to do for the day and Without saying anything, I turned on a song that was in reference to one of the evil organizations that they'd fought earlier in the campaign. Uh oh. <laughs> they didn't do anything. They didn't trigger an event. They didn't like walk over a thing and all of a sudden now the enemy's here. I turned it on and all of them were like, what the fuck is going on right now? And all of a sudden their characters are looking around and they're trying to figure out why the music's different. But that's a sort of metagame that we can play. We can play with expectation that we've built around the music that we have showed them and use it to change their experience in the game. And conversely, I have taken enemies and when they show up, I play songs that I've used to represent maybe more hopeful moments or places that were long forgotten or things like that and you can begin to have your players tie things together subconsciously because you're playing with their subconscious through music all these things are available these tools that music can provide for you are incredibly valuable because you don't have to say 
anything. The players can be role-playing and doing their stuff and not even paying attention to you because they're talking to each other and you're in the background just playing with faders, turning songs on, turning songs off. (laughs) And the effect that it can have is game-changing. It has been the biggest thing that I do in my campaigns to really influence my character's emotions because you can have an amazing bit of narration, but if that narration gets over it's done and they'll remember a little bit of you know how they felt in the moment they might not remember the words exactly but if you play that narration and you play a song that represents something hopeful or maybe something that they attribute to a positive emotion even if it's a bad villain npc they're gonna wonder why that song's playing and it's gonna mean something different or if you take the happy go lucky you know bartender lady that they've known the whole campaign and all of a sudden you start playing like the hag theme underneath them that you've set up for that (laughs) campaign now it's something completely different yeah i love that just eliciting emotions through the music oh yeah and like toying with their expectation you know anything that you can do to in my opinion contrast is huge so Playing off of expectation, playing opposites against themselves, I think is a huge way towards snapping your players back into the moment because they're expecting the nice, you know, tavern keeper lady to just be sitting there and you hear the peppy uh, jigs and tavern music that most people tend to think is quote unquote tavern music. That's cute and that's fine and that'll yeah. work. But if they're sitting there and all of a sudden they hear twisted strings that are just playing out a key and they're wrong and they're like, what is happening right now? It unsettles <laughs> them. It does your job for you. Yeah, I really like that. Like, I'm imagining the notion of, you know, some some villain coming by and you're playing that hopeful music and like maybe he's coming to offer a, a ceasefire or a truce sort of thing. Because um, I think there's always this notion of like, if the if one of the evil people is showing up, like, oh, are we going into combat right away? Whatever. But I, I think it's interesting that you said, like, if you're playing kind of one of those contrasting, like, oh, wait, this is the this is the happy theme. This is the like stuff. Yeah, something's theme. different. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. I never thought of that. Yeah. I love that. It's all, yeah. It's all about uh, layers is the thing because they're, how do I say this without it sounding too like up my own ass? Um, <laughs> there are, there are the narratives that we put in front of players and there are the narratives that we put them into and we plunge them into and they don't have any control over the second one. So we have to be very careful on how we do that. So you can talk about what the narrative arc is for your campaign like all day, and that's fine. But when you start to really dissect what the theme of the arc is, what the the story beats are going to be, like those things have to be handled carefully. And I find that when you take music, this thing that everybody experiences and everyone has a recognition of, and you take ideas through music that are really quantifiable and you attach them to stuff, then it's almost like when an audience is watching a TV show and you see a sign above that says applause or cheer or whatever, (laughs) but it's with music and you don't have to be overt about it. You can just have a little bit of it playing in the background and they will pick up on it because the best background music in the world is able to do stuff to you emotionally without you even knowing it's happening you just start feeling different and you wonder why am i feeling like this right now why do i feel like i'm about to cry watching this scene and then you realize (laughs) oh it's because this song is playing and it did something to me and i couldn't do anything about it 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, no, before we let you go, is there anything outside of your TikTok and your Bandcamp that we can plug in the show notes that you want to plug here? That That's a great question. So right now, I am working through commissions. I'm always taking commissions. What I do tell people, though, is if I am you know, a little bit burdened up, they'll be in the list for sure, but they might be waiting a minute. And thankfully, right now, I'm working through my list. I have a couple of projects that I can't talk about right now because I don't know the full details of when they're going to be posted, but I think they're going to be really cool. Just people I've met through TikTok. That's been really great to work with. My Bandcamp is a place where you can go to get songs that are a bit more complete if you want to purchase those. I have a Spotify where I put up a good amount of the songs that are on Bandcamp, and those ones are for people that like to stream. I don't make a ton off Spotify, if anything, but that's more for ease of access for people because I know that a lot of people use Spotify. That's whatever. If you want to get in contact with me, my email is going to be the best place. That's eyesonthemoonstudios at gmail.com. And that's where we can talk about what kind of song you want, what my rates are. The biggest thing that I think is going to be most helpful is within within the month, I'm going to be starting up my Patreon. And the Patreon is going to be a place where I will be making music that is more generic so people can use it for a wide variety of applications. And there will be different tiers to it, of course. And there will be ways that people can support me without having to pay the rate that I would offer for my custom music. Cause that's going to be more just because the nature of what it is. But when that goes live, that'll really, I think be the biggest way that people can help support me. I'm really happy to have had you on. Um, I love music. I love talking about it. I love listening to it. And I think the notion of incorporating into campaigns is, is super cool. So for everyone listening, if you want to check Ryan out, so uh, tiktok.com slash at eyes on the moon studios, uh, you can also find the Bandcamp, eyesonthemoonstudios.bandcamp.com. And as Ryan said, you can contact him, eyesonthemoonstudios at gmail.com if you're interested in commissioning any music for your campaigns, characters, uh, etc. For sure. And once the Patreon goes live, let us know and we'll update the show notes with that as well. Absolutely. Sweet. Well, uh, I think that's going to be it for us today. Uh, we'd be interested to hear in what anybody else's experiences with music and TTRPGs are. So... Feel free to hit us up by email at dmsdiscuss at gmail.com or on Insta, Twitter, Facebook, or TikTok at dmsdiscuss. And if you'd like our podcast to become a leitmotif in your everyday life, why don't you hit the subscribe button in your favorite podcatcher app and make your time beautiful. And as always, check the show notes for links and other fun stuff. We'll link all of Ryan's uh, contact and socials there as well. And we'll catch you all after a long rest.